Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Providence Money Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Isaac, Associate Advisor at Provident. So to all our listeners, I would like to thank you for your support uh, and really tuning in to listen to all our episodes. So for today's episode, is a bit content-heavy. Uh, and the topic will be estate planning. So today our guest is Eddie Chong, who is the head of our solutions team. So what we will be going through will be the three, three main aspects of estate planning, namely distribution, creation, and estate preservation. So after we have gone through all these three main aspects, we will be doing a summary of estate planning. So without further ado, let's jump right into the episode. Hi, Eddie. Hi, Isaac. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks for taking the time to come here today, Eddie. So uh, before we begin, uh, Eddie, could you give a quick introduction about yourself? Sure. Um, okay, a brief history of myself. I started my career as an accountant for five years. And after that, I moved, on into, I moved into the financial industry for, for the next five years. I've been with Providence since it started. So I've been working here happily for the past two decades oh, already. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so the solutions team scope of work. It's, it's very big, mm. you know, encompasses a lot of things. So who better than you to let our listeners know mm. what the solutions team role is in Provident. So could you uh, just briefly describe what the role of the solutions team is? Okay, sure. Um, basically at Provident, we organize ourselves in team-based approach, right? We have the advisors team, we have the solutions team. Uh, so the advisors main job is basically to provide the best advice and managing the client's relationships. The R&D that goes into the advice is basically the job of the solutions team. So let me give an example. If we have this proprietary retirement system uh, called the RetireWell, and this system is architect by the solutions team. Uh, it took us about two years from conceptualizing R&D and finally rolling this out. But our job really doesn't end there. You know, as a solutions team, we're always looking at ways to enhance and make it even more robust. Uh, we, we also develop other financial planning frameworks, for example, for insurance planning, for estate and legacy planning, and planning for accumulators. Right, so in a way, the solutions team is like the brain behind the advice. Mm. Uh, in a way, yes. Uh, we are constantly looking at uh, how to make complex things simpler, executable, and repeatable. Right, thanks for sharing, Eddie. So this week's episode is about estate planning. So as you know, this topic is very important uh, when it comes to financial planning, but it's often overlooked. Mm. So to begin, could you define what estate planning is? Um, sure. We all own things uh, in our, while we are alive, like money, investments, uh, properties, and all these financial assets, these are, these are called assets while we are alive. But the moment we die, this financial assets will be given a new name. It's called the estate. So estate planning is simply means having a plan to transfer the deceased estate to their loved ones uh, without a necessary delay and avoiding any unexpected situations that may complicate the entire distribution process. So in a nutshell, uh, a good estate plan will need to address three key parts. Uh, estate creation, estate preservation, and estate distribution. Maybe let me describe a little bit high level uh, of these three parts. For estate creation, it's necessary when the size of the estate is not big enough for the beneficiaries. Uh, 
uh, example, if you want to leave behind $3 million for your family members in the event of death, but you only have $2 million. So in this case, you need to have a plan to create your estate by $1 million. So for estate preservation, basically it means looking at ways to prevent your estate from shrinking uh, due to leakages. So back to the example, uh, your $2 million estate, right? might suffer reduction due to certain expenses incurred at death or liabilities uh, in, the, in the event of death, right? Such leakages can potentially be significant and you really want to preserve your estate from eroding. Lastly, estate distribution. Uh, basically, it means to ensure that estate is distributed to your intended beneficiaries and not to anybody else. La. So in G's estate planning, uh, we involve these three parts of estate creation, preservation and distribution. Right, thanks for giving a high-level view over what estate planning is. You know, you, you mentioned uh, uh, many points just now, mm. but could you ele- elaborate why estate planning is important? Okay, um, there are many reasons uh, why it's important, but I just want to bring up uh, three the big ones. I think these are the big ones. And firstly, it concerns our hard-earned money. And we really want to go to the right person and not to people that we don't want to inherit all our hard-earned money. Uh, number two, we don't want to leave behind a financial mess for our family members to pick up. And that could happen when we don't plan our estate well. So let me give you an example. It's common for people to have money in many places. Uh, uh, they put their money in the banks, investment platforms, and even investment robots that you can open so easily. All right? So if you are the secretive sort, you don't want to tell people about your money. Okay, how do you expect your family members to know where your money is when right. that occurs? You see, you can imagine it's a messy process and it will require a lot of time and effort uh, to sort it out. And lastly, the third one I will, I will give is that we really want to avoid any family disputes or disharmony because of any unfairness in the distribution. And this can happen because the estate, the deceased intention is not clear as it's not spelled out in a will. So in order to avoid or minimize uh, all these complications, it's important to do estate planning well. Right, so as estate planning is really a huge topic. Um, today we will be focusing on three main aspects. Uh, which is, as you mentioned, creation, preservation, and distribution. Mm. But let's start with distribution first. I think that is the first thing that comes to people's mind when it comes to uh, estate planning. Mm. So, intestacy is the condition of the estate of a person who dies without having enforced a valid will. Mm. So, simply put, passing intestate means that an individual passes away without a will and the distribution of their assets will be determined by probate court. So in the context of Singapore, how would one's asset be distributed if there is no will involved? Right. Uh, Intestacy uh, can be quite complicated. So without a will, uh, the estate will be distributed according to the intestacy law and under the Singapore Intestate Succession Act. In other words, if you don't have a will, the court will apply their own rules to distribute your estate. And this... Distribution rules are fixed for everyone without a will. So uh, regardless of the family profile, the mix, the amount of money, it's the same rules apply for everyone. There are nine rules of hierarchy in terms of who should inherit your estate. So let me give an example of a married person without children. 
let's just call them Mr. and Mrs. X. In the event Mr. X passes away, uh, half of his estate will go to Mrs. X, his wife, and the remaining half will go to his parents, Mr. X's parents. Uh, if Mr. X's parents are no longer around, okay, uh, then in that case, the full estate will go straight to the spouse, Mrs. X. Okay, so it is fairly straightforward. But let's say um, Mr. and Mrs. X have their own set of, of children, right? So according to the rules of intestacy, the distribution will be totally different. Okay. So in this case, when Mr. X passes on, his estate will no longer be divided between the wife and the parents. Instead, his estate will now be shared between the wife and his children. The parents will not receive anything. So for a married couple with children, the couple's parents will be excluded uh, in the distribution process if there's no will. Uh, uh, this might not be what they want. So it's always best to you know, spell, write a will to avoid these undesirable consequences. Right, so if, even from your short example, I can see how uh, there could be some uh, conflict you know, if, if, uh, in terms of distribution as compared to what the person might want. So for example, you mentioned that uh, in the event that Mr. X passes away, um, half the money will go to the spouse, mm. but half will go to his parents. So it really depends on the relationship between all of them and whether that's really what he wants. Yeah, so in that, yeah. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, and, and, and all right, just to be clear, what I've just described applies only to non-Muslims. Okay, because oh. for Muslims, the rules of estate distributions are different. Uh, it's governed by the uh, Islamic law uh, and, and they have their own sets of uh, distribution considerations. Right, so that's, well, that's very interesting to know. Okay, so how does a will come into play then? Maybe let me describe what is a will. Uh, simply. Uh, a will is basically a legal document specifying, specifying how you want the estate to be distributed upon death. So uh, in the early example, right, Mr. and Mrs. X, uh, you can specify that some money goes to the parents and the rest goes to the spouse and children in whatever allocation you think is best. Uh, you can also include other beneficiaries other than the spouse or children or parents. You can include the siblings, the nieces, the nephews, the friends, and even giving to charities. So mm. the will actually allows you to... Uh, to put down who you want them to inherit the money. So with a will, you have control over a few things. How much you like to give, uh, what assets to give, who you like to give to, and when it should be distributed. In addition, you can also specify who should be the guardian to look after your young children should the couple passes away. Uh, sometimes, you know, sometimes the, the preferred guardian may not be the parents. Uh, you may want certain siblings or a close friend to be a guardian, uh, simply because of similar parenting styles and you know the, the, the common values that you share. Right. In a will, you can also specify who should be the trustees. Sometimes the surviving spouse may not be the best person to hold the money because we hear of a lot of cases where money was quickly squandered due to poor financial management, losing the money really meant for their livelihood. So there are much more I can talk about on why you should write a will, but these are the key ones. Right, thanks for sharing, Eddie. So, let's say mm. a person is okay with interstate distribution of their estate. Uh. So, should they still make a will in that case? Okay, uh, yes, this is a very common uh, question 
people do ask. Uh, my answer will be a yes and a no. Um, well, if the estate is relatively small, okay, and the people that should be inheriting is straightforward. So, example, uh, singles wanting to give the money, the estate, to either the parents or, or siblings, then I think it might be okay. However, the distribution process under intestacy is usually longer and requires more administrative work. And therefore, it means uh, longer, longer time uh, in the distribution process. All right. As I mentioned earlier, the will uh, has a lot of advantages. Okay. It allows you to specify the choice of your guardians, the trustees, executors, and that might be important consideration for you. Uh, a will can also help to avoid certain undesirable distribution complexities because sometimes when it comes to distribution, it, be, it gets a little bit more complicated than what we imagine it to be. So one example is this thing called the common disaster. In the event of a common disaster, which basically means that both die at the same time, okay, like, like in a car accident, the question is how should the estate, the husband and wife estate, be distributed to their parents? So in this case, um, that we have the couple and then the, their parents. So, um, so there are six people in the picture. All right, there's no children. In this case of common disaster, should it be that the two set of parents will share their estate equally? Okay, or should it be that parents will receive the estate of their own children? So meaning uh, Mr. X parents will receive Mr. X money, Mrs. X parents will receive the, the wife's money, right? Unfortunately, the two scenarios will not apply. So let me give an example. Let's say Mr. X has $1 million and Mrs. X also have, has $1 million. So in a common disaster, uh, where, the, where we don't know who die first, the older spouse is deemed to die first. All right? So uh, I'm not sure it's a good or bad thing. Okay? Um, let's assume that Mr. X is older. So he is deemed to die first. Since there's no will, out of his $1 million estate, half a million will go to his parents, right? And the other half will go to the wife. Okay? But the wife also died. Um, because she is younger and then she's deemed to die later. Okay, but, but she will have inherited half a million from her husband. Together with her 1 million assets, one, the 1.5 million will now go to the parents. So can you see, can you see that Mr. X's parents now has half a million, but Mrs. X's parents have $1.5 million. I'm sure Mr. X's parents will not be happy. Uh, we will find that it's unfair. So if you want to avoid this undesirable complexity or consequences, it's always better to write a will. That's a great point you raised, Eddie. I mean, uh, some people, they might think that they are okay in their state uh, distribution. But like you mentioned, if common disaster happens, it might be something that they, uh, it's a blind spot to them. So it's really great that you, you pointed that out. So Eddie, does a will cover all assets that one owns? Uh, unfortunately, the will is not the one and for all documents to cover all your assets to be distributed. Uh, some assets cannot be distributed via the will. Uh, CPF monies cannot be distributed through the will. You will need to write a CPF nominations to distribute your CPF monies. Other assets that are not covered at wills are joint bank accounts, properties in joint tenancies, nominated insurance policies and shares transferred 
in the shareholders agreement. Thanks for sharing, Eddie. So uh, you make, uh, you know, it's, it's really a very important point for uh, everyone to to know that um, doing a will will not encompass anything like uh, what Eddie you mentioned. It's not a be all and all. Um, and even after doing your will, it's important to take a look at, for example, your CPF nominations uh, or your um, the nominees of your insurance policies to make sure that it's aligned. That's right. Okay, so let's say uh, somebody wants to write a will. You know, as you know, there's there's quite a few online will writing services that are either very low cost or even completely free in some cases. Mm. So, what is Providence take on this? And is it recommended that people use these services? Increasingly, there are more and more online wills and DIY wills whereby it makes it very simple um, for you to have a will done. Uh, at Provident, we try to avoid it uh, because from our experience, we find that most people need guidance in drafting their will and they want to have a person to clarify how their will should be written. Um, it could be who should be the trustees and guidance and what are the considerations? Um, most people need some form of assurance when it comes to writing a will because they was just want to make sure that that all the blind spots are looked at, there's no loophole. Online wills might have some limitations too in terms of the level of customizations uh, to your needs, which may not be apparent unless you are very proficient and very good in will writing. Another potential concern is that for online or DIY wills not done by law firms or lawyers, the probate registry is likely to request for another document uh, called the affidavit of due execution. Um, uh, this document is required to be filed. Okay? Um, and, and the purpose of this document is to testify that that deceased will, the online DIY will, was properly executed. Because it's done by DIY, the court is just being careful that uh, the uh, is everything is in order, so it's always better to seek professional advice in in writing a will. Right. So, how do we typically advise our clients then with regards to doing up their will? Uh, typically, our clients engage us for comprehensive wealth planning, and will writing is uh, is a part of the recommendations. So, in this uh, will preparation process. Uh, the advisors will guide uh, the clients on a few important considerations, such as uh, the advisors will guide the clients with a framework to think about how they want to distribute their estate. Uh, we will review their financial positions to estimate the size of the estate, whether it's enough to be distributed. Uh, we provide guidance on how the estate could be structured to align with their distribution wishes. We also provide guidance in the choice of executors, the trustees, and guardians. So once the will preparation is completed, we will bring our clients to our network of law firms to execute the will. Thanks for sharing, Eddie. Uh, the topic of distribution is huge. For our listeners, if you have any other questions, uh, please reach out to your trusted advisor or provident if you have any other uh, questions on this. So let's move on to the topic of estate creation. So some individuals do not have sizable assets, maybe for except for their home. So these people have an urgent need to create more assets for their loved ones should they prematurely leave this world. So Eddie, what instruments can be used to create an estate? 
All right. Um, yes, you're right, Isaac. All investment instrument needs the element of time for it to grow. The only instrument that could increase the estate uh, significantly and immediately is none other than the and this thing called insurance. Right. Hence, insurance is often used as a tool in estate creation so that there will be enough to be passed on to the beneficiaries. When death occurs, the probate process, as you mentioned earlier in the podcast, could take some time before the money is released and distributed to your loved ones. In the meantime, there are quite a few immediate costs, such as funeral costs, right. uh, business debt, or even taxes. So what are some of the ways that people can look into providing liquidity in the meantime? Insurance is not just used in estate creation. Insurance could also be used to provide estate liquidity. In, in a typical uh, probate uh, distribution process, it may take three months or more, depend on complexity. If you have a nomination in your insurance policies, the insurance claims can be paid out much quicker uh, within a month for straightforward cases. But even if there's no nomination done on the insurance policies, the insurance, the insurer has the discretion to pay up to $150,000 to the proper claimant without the need to provide any grant or probate or letter of administration. So who can be the proper claimant? Typically, uh, the deceased spouse, the parents, the children, the siblings, or niece and nephews can be the proper claimant. Having estate liquidity, as you say, is a very important consideration in estate planning. Yeah, that's very comforting to hear. I mean, um, especially during a time of, mm. let's say, someone's passing, um, you know, it's money is not something that we want to be worried about. Mm. Um, so it's glad that you pointed out that, uh, yes, even though um, the probate process may take some time, but there are still ways that you can get some liquidity to tide you through um, the three months or more probate process. Right, so now we have covered estate distribution and estate creation. Let's move on to estate preservation. Eddie, what is estate preservation? Okay, estate preservation is simply ensuring that the size of the estate does not suffer any significant reduction due to leakages. The more we are able to preserve, the larger will be the inheritance uh, for our beneficiaries. And that's something that we want to do. So what are some examples of leakages? The common suspects are a few. Um, first, the medical expenses, uh, especially for expensive medical treatment in the last days of a person's life, like cancer. Therefore, it's important to have sufficient healthcare insurance to reduce the cost of out-of-pocket medical expenses. Other things would be like home loans, business loans, uh, income tax. Yeah, there are two things that cannot be escaped, death and taxes. And lastly, guarantor. If one pledges as a guarantor to secure a loan, claims could be made on the estate of the guarantor. So it's common for business owners to put themselves as guarantor to secure a loan. In the event of death, guarantor's estate will likely be required to pay off the loan, meaning lesser for the beneficiaries. So how can we minimize these leakages? Uh, it could be getting sufficient insurance to, or simply avoiding situations that increase liabilities, such as pledging oneself as guarantor. So in terms of leakages, you know, the, I'll think of, let's say, a small business owner. So most small business owners, 
they would prefer to keep their family businesses within the family. How does estate preservation come into play in this situation? Okay, estate planning for business owners can be even more complicated uh, because firstly, the, the value of the business is intrinsically tied to the business owners. Right? Uh, unlike investments like having $1 million in your shares, uh, the value is there even after death, but the $1 million of business value may drop when the, when the, when the business owner is no longer around. Okay, the business will suffer when the business owner is no longer around. They could lose their key customers. Uh, key employees may leave them. Uh, creditors may demand payments, etc. Ultimately, affecting the viability of the business and therefore the business value. So, a key part in retaining business value is business continuity planning and uh, succession planning or grooming the next leadership team uh, to take over. But all this takes time. Uh, meanwhile, the business owners might want to consider some strategies like getting a key man insurance on himself uh, so that if something happens to them, there's a sum of money that's, that will tie the companies through or structuring a buy-sell arrangements with key shareholders to buy over the value or the business at fair value in the event of death. So these are very high-level stuff that uh, business owners can consider. So the key thing is business owner needs to pay more attention on estate planning because their business usually form the largest portion of their estate and businesses may not be able to retain the value when the business owner passes on. Right, Eddie, that's very interesting. I, uh, you know, like you mentioned, if you own shares, you know, the value is not really tied to, to, to you. Small businesses typically do not hire, do not have a lot of staff, do not have many staff and you know, in some in some small businesses, the owner mm. is so crucial in the mm. way that the company operates. Mm. So that's actually um, a very good point that you raised up. Mm. So now that we have uh, covered distribution, creation, and preservation, so let's talk about estate planning as a whole. Mm. You know, I mean, just to begin, like I mean, after we have done our estate plan, so how often should we review our estate plan? Well, generally, you don't have to review it very regularly. Um, the guidance is basically to review once every few years or where there are major life events, such as changes in marital status, changes in the beneficiaries, uh, changes in how much you give to the beneficiaries, changes in key people that is written in the will, like the executors, the trustees, the guardians, because they are no longer suitable due to poor health, death, or bankruptcy. Or there's changes in assets identified in a will. Example, that if there's, let's say in a will, there is, uh, the big ticket items is no longer there. Okay, it's always good to review the estate plan. When we are in that reviewing process, what are some important things that we should take note of? All right, uh, estate planning is not just about writing the will and updating it. Uh, some documents need to be considered also along the way. Uh, firstly, CPM nominations, you make sure that it's written and it's updated. Nomination on certain insurance policies to create the estate liquidity I mentioned earlier. Uh, lasting power attorney, LPA, uh, which is basically a legal document to appoint persons to make decisions on and act on your behalf in event of mental incapacity. Uh, fourth, the advanced 
care planning or ACP, which is a process to plan for your future's medical and personal care arrangements. And lastly, advanced medical directive, AMD, which is a legal document specifying that you do not want extraordinary life-supporting treatment in the event of becoming terminally ill. Some of these documents need time to process and to execute. For example, the advanced care planning and the advanced medical directives, uh, which may be something that you want to, you may not be ready to do now. It's okay as long as you it's part of your radar to review that in the future. So these are some of the things to consider as you review your estate plans. Right, so for um, lasting power of attorney, advanced care planning and advanced medical directive, uh, we actually done an episode earlier. So it's season two, episode 16, titled All You Need to Know About End-of-Life Planning. So to all our listeners who are curious about this, um, you can refer to that episode uh, for more in-depth discussion. So that's all for this week's episode. Thank you so much, Eddie, for your time today. Thank you, Isaac. To all our listeners, I hope you enjoyed our episode on estate planning. If you like this episode, follow our podcast and follow us on social media for similar contents. As always, thank you for listening and I'll see you in the next episode. All analysis, views or opinions from interviews, recommendations and other information broadcasted, broadcasted or published herein are provided for general information purposes only. Information expressed does not take into account any specific situation, particular needs or objectives and should not be construed as specific advice or a recommendation. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal or tax professional before taking any action. Provident Limited does not accept any liability for any loss whatsoever arising from any of use of the information broadcasted, broadcasted or published herein. All contents and information contained herein may not be copied or reproduced in whole or in part by any means without prior written consent of Provident Limited.